Palmero. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a, a long while. Yeah, it has. Um, I think I started, I was 16, 17, and you were one of the first instructors that I've that I had at Power of One. And but, yeah, I was going to say it must have been whoo, before. 2000, 2005, somewhere between those years, because that's when I was teaching at Power One. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I didn't know who you were at the time. So for me, it was just a instructor and, you know, learning the, the basics from you. However, down the line, I was learning. I was finding out who you were. And I was like, oh, man, this is Mr. Palmero. <laughs> this is awesome. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. So um, how long have you been doing martial arts? I started when I was six. I'm 46, going to be 47. So it's been about 40 years. So it's been a good amount of time of my life. I would say probably the last maybe seven, eight years, I've been a little bit less competitive and as active as I once was. But I mean, I'm still, you know, very in the sport and still doing stuff. But I'd like to be a little bit more active is what I'm trying to say. And as active as I was in my first 30 some odd years. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, what got you into martial arts? Well, um, you know, it's it's funny. You see how things are now today with the way people treat each other for race or, you know, things that they don't understand. I'm very light-skinned, so a lot of people thought I was white. I'm Portuguese. Uh, both my parents were both born in Portugal, moved here, had me. I first spoke Portuguese. The town I grew up in was predominantly white. There was some Puerto Ricans, uh, as well as Dominicans for Hispanics. I didn't really get along with the whites cause they thought I was weird cause I didn't speak English. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I found that I made a lot more friends with the Hispanics cause the language is very similar. I had to pick up a couple of the nuances cause I mean, it's not exactly the same, but, uh, you know, eventually I learned English and I already had, a lot of Hispanic friends. And then once I learned karate, uh, it seemed like I just had a lot more friends, a lot less people picking on me, I guess, per se. So I think the reason why I got into karate was just because when I first started school, my dad saw that I was getting picked on, had a lot of problems with people just bullying me and picking on me because I was a little bit different. They couldn't understand it. So therefore he just wanted to make sure that I was able to defend myself. And that's pretty much why I got into karate six years old. Oh, wow. And was it here in California? No, I'm actually originally from the East Coast, New Hampshire. So oh. th- things are a little bit different over there. People, <laughs> not that they're nicer over here. Um, I find that as I've gotten older, people here like to tell you what you want to hear. And people yeah. back East, they tell you how they feel about you with no oh. filter. <laughs> so, so back East, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't raised here, so maybe I'm wrong. I mean, my ki- my kid's being raised here, and I've I've helped... Um, along with my wife raised, uh, her two daughters as well. So, and it's not that they haven't had a tough life. Cause I mean, I think being a kid is tough peer pressure, all the different types of things. But I know in the neighborhood I was growing up with, it was, it was a little bit rough. I wouldn't want to raise my kid there. And that's why I think right now I live in, I mean, even Long Beach is not in some spots, the best place to raise a kid. I mean, yeah. if you're in Bixby Knowles, if you're in Signal Hill, which yeah. is where we live, right. um, you know, it, it tends to be better. And, and I do that to shelter my kid because I knew what I was brought up in. And I know that there's no way to shelter him because he's going to get, uh, you know, 
things to happen anywhere at school, no matter where you go. But I just find that if you're in the hood, a lot more problems happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So. Yeah. And we're borderline. As you said, we're borderline with the not so great part of Long Beach. <laughs> Long Beach, you, yeah. you, you cross one street and that's it. I yeah. mean, uh, where we live in Signal Hill, um, we live off 21st over there up at the top of the hill. But if yeah. you come down to PCH, as soon as you cross PCH, it's <laughs> totally different. It is. <laughs> so, so uh, you moved uh, you moved out here to Cali at what age, and or were you already? I was eight. Deep? I was eighteen when I actually oh. moved out here. I told my parents that I was going to move out here. I was going to go to Hollywood. I was going to become a stunt guy. I was going to do films, and that's kind of what I came out here for. But I, when I came out here, I just. I was very competitive. I was doing really good in the martial arts scene. And I kind of, instead of putting or spreading, I should say, my eggs in more baskets, I tried to just focus on what I was good at and continue with that. So with the sport karate career, um, I came out here. I was already doing good before I moved out here. I just kept that momentum going, winning uh, NBL, which was a... Uh, National Black Belt League, which was one of the top um, circuits back in the day. It's kind of died out since then. NASCA, which is still around, um, which has a lot of big events, North America Sport Karate Association, as well as uh, WACO, which is a world-associated karate and kickboxing organization. So, um, you know, I was just doing really well being sponsored by Paul Mitchell, uh, Paul Mitchell Hair Products, which is funny because I don't have any hair. But, um, yeah, I just... Came out here, was doing really good in the sport karate world where I, I did point fighting, um, did a little bit of the full contact kickboxing, and uh, just just enjoyed that. That was pretty much what I was doing, just traveling for a living, teaching for a living full time. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say I lost sight of it, but I kind of put it on the burner for a while and just, just kept pushing forward with that career. Okay. So... Were you already, uh, I mean, you said you were already doing sport karate when you came over here from from the East Coast. Um, did you meet anyone here in like another studio? You got to a studio and just trained with them or did you have connections knowing where to go? Um, you know, I came to California originally, but I didn't come to SoCal. I came to NorCal. Oh, okay. I went to the Super Grants. Um, there was a guy from Canada, Max Langlois, that was a really good fighter. Um, he was actually sponsored by, uh, what's the referee? Oh, my goodness. Um, from UFC. There's the French referee. Oh, if, I could, if I could think of his French-Canadian, if I could think of his name, uh, light-skinned guy. Oh, come on, Mike. Yeah. He used to sponsor a team called... Team Hugo. And um, anyways, these guys from Canada came out, and Max was one of their best fighters, and he got injured. And I knew Danny Griffith really well because I'm from the East Coast. I used to go to Canada mm -hmm. a lot, compete, and he knew of my talent, and he asked me to compete. So I said, you know what? I'd love to fight with you guys. <laughs> and I remember everybody coming up to me going, who the heck is this guy, dude? And you guys replaced Max with that guy? So they didn't know who I was. So I went out there, and um, I pretty much smashed everybody, and I was like flexing, cartwheeling, doing crazy <laughs> stuff. And I met a lot of connections that day, and that was in um, 
91, 92 out in New Orleans. And I had some guys that I told I had interest in continued competing as well as maybe getting in the film career. I met this guy, Russ Folks. He lived out in the Bay Area. He said, I'd love to have you come live with me. We'd love to try to help you out with your, you know, stunt and acting career and continued uh, martial arts. So I lived out there with him for about two years. And then I met a few people down in the South, one of them being Jamie Matthews, um, asked me to, if I wanted to move down because I was driving and flying down basically twice a week for auditions and different types of things. So I figured, you know, it's kind of crazy to do that all the time. But back then with Southwest, I think it was like 59, 69, 79 round trip. <laughs> it was, it wasn't no big deal, but, um, you know, it, it can get costly after a while and not to mention, you know, it was just, it, why, I mean, I, I was mostly coming down here for what I wanted to pursue. So, Found a found a roommate. Jamie asked if I wanted to come down. Ended up um, living with him, moving in with him, and that's how I met Bob White. That's how I met Colin Van Dusen. That's how I met um, Jeff Newton, Jim McClure, and then from there, Jamie knew a lot of people. I met Dave Brock. I used to go to his school. I used to go to BKF over there with uh, Bernie Krasnew, which had people like Ray Wizard, Alvin Prouder. So I mean, I was pretty much a, a dojo rat, and you know. I, I wanted to learn martial arts and get better. So I loved going everywhere and anywhere that would take me in. So I would train at everybody's dojo and people loved having me. And you know, what's funny is that, um, cause I'm very light skinned. I would go in the hood and sometimes I'd be the only white guy. <laughs> and, um, it's funny cause I get, I get the white privilege thing. I, I understand it. Um, because when I walk in there, I know all eyes are on me. Like, like the, like someone just, walked into the record at, at a club and the, the music skipped and everybody's like, like what the heck happened? Like looking all towards the DJ. Um, everybody was looking at me like, does this guy like make a wrong turn? What's he doing? <laughs> and yeah, me and Jamie, uh, would walk in and, uh, you know, I would just kind of just buckle down and just, just put the beat down on people. And I think I earned a lot of people's respect and, you know, it also helped me to get better because I think once we earn respect, you know, we'd share a lot of tips and ideas and I'd be able to train and that's kind of what helped me get better. I think really, you know, it's one thing to, to, to work on technique, but I think getting to train with top level people all the time, you know, it's really what helps you excel. It's kind of like people that are trying to get good at entrepreneurship or business or whatever it is you want to get better at. You surround yourself with people that are good at that. So that way, you know, you're like a sponge and you kind of like hopefully get some of their knowledge to rub off on you. And that's pretty much kind of what happened. I mean, it was a give and take. And that's what I like about the martial arts is meeting people. I feel like there's a lot of give and take. If you have discipline, if you have respect and, you know, I think, people just want to share ideas because they, I mean, if, if you have an equal abundance of knowledge to share with one another, you know, it's great to give and take. Cause I mean, you're only both going to benefit from it, Yeah. you know? So I think that's, you know, that's, that's the, that's the thing about my life. I think I've always given so much that I think that's why I've had so many avenues open up and that's why I'm kind of where I'm at. I mean, I came out here from New Hampshire, 18 years old, I think I had like about maybe eight, nine grand, <laughs> something like that. And uh, I didn't have a job. I was just traveling, winning grants, 
doing seminars, wow. teaching privates, <laughs> and uh, you know, being sponsored, yeah. traveling, getting my passport stamped <laughs> for a whole bunch of years, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, you've like I said, when I knew you were still competing uh, quite a few times throughout the year, and I heard I heard it a lot. Now, I mean, for the many tournaments that you've done. Do you still recall your first tournament that you did or in the experience? You know, first tournament, it was funny. It was more of a, um, there's basically uh, back then a really big school in the East Coast as well as worldwide. It was Frevelari's. It was one of the first well-known business. And actually Colin Van Dusen um, came from the same system, which is funny that Colin was from <coughs> Vermont. I was from New Hampshire, both Frevelari Studios, but we never met each other until we both moved to Long Beach. Um, I don't know, <laughs> twenty some odd years later, um, at least for me, because I was I was a little bit younger. And uh, the first tournament I competed in was a uh, one of those inner school type, and I don't mean inner school mm -hmm. like just I'm talking about only Fred Valari's, and he had over 200 schools at the time worldwide. So, oh. so like a tournament. His tournament would be like a national tournament. There would be easily like 500 to 1,000 competitors. So, yeah, I went over there and I actually took first, the first tournament. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I was very competitive. I was, I don't want to say I was cocky, but yeah, I think I got cocky after that. And I went to several tournaments and I, I did very well. I don't know. I just, but I think also because I wanted to win so bad, I think, I think I wanted to win more than I hate to lose. Okay. So I think I would do anything possible to win. I mean, I remember at a young age, I started doing private lessons right away a couple times a week. And it got serious where like when I was doing my curriculum, it wasn't the same. It just wasn't like I was, I was doing curriculum to get a black belt so I can compete a black belt. But the reality was I was really excited about mm -hmm. training for competition because that's really what, got me going. It's what got mm. my adrenaline going. It's got my blood pumping. It's what made me excited. And I like the fact that you guys have a, you guys have just your bodies and your ideas and you guys got to try to out chest the other person with just what you got, you know, what God gave you yeah. and you can make it better, but how much are you willing to sacrifice and discipline everything, uh, running weights, diet, drills to make sure that your form is on your technique um how much are you willing to to just acknowledge that you need to be humble to get as much knowledge as you can and not be uh cocky and act like you know everything because at that point no one's going to want to share any ideas with you because you know at that point you're arrogant and they feel like you already think you know it all so <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think, again, karate has just been a great part of my life, and it's great how you can use it for a lot of things. You know what I mean? And I think even now with my life, I'm very competitive, no matter what it is. <laughs> if, it's, if it's work, if it's uh, if someone wants to go for a run or or whatever it is, man, I'm just I'm, that's just my nature. And I think it's you are your habits, and it's something that you instill at a very early age. And that was something that I instilled or was instilled at a very early age that I just find that it's hard to shake out of my DNA. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like I said, when I, <laughs> it's funny because 
I'm just recalling that one time we were, it was the very first few times I was sparring and I, of course, met you and you probably don't remember this, but we were sparring and again, I didn't know who you were at the time. So I was in a distance where I could blitz you and I was like, okay, I'm going to blitz him. You know, he's, I don't think he's going to see it coming. You had the, one of the sneakiest sidekicks because <laughs> you caught me and I just remember falling down to the ground and going, oh, okay, that that was fun. <laughs> that was okay. So, I mean, and you're known for that sidekick, no? Because you kind of point your knee down as you do the sidekick. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of those things um, have been done to me. You know, that's just <laughs> how it is. We. It's a give and take situation. You got to take a bunch before you can give some. And I've already mm -hmm. taken my plethora of them before. So it was just your turn at that time. That's, <laughs> yeah. just, that's just how it is. You know, it's funny because uh, it goes in full circle because like a good example is uh, some of the people that I've worked with, like Raymond Daniels, Jack Felton. These are guys that came to me um, and already had a pretty good background. They had great instructors they had a good base. Um, I just gave them some ideas and I think helped them a little bit fine tune some of their rough edges. And I think they are also people that at that time kept me or kept me sharp. You know, they were my, they were my metal. They were my other steel, sharp and steel. Yeah. Um, and at that time I still had that edge mentally and physically over them. And now it's kind of gone in full circle where now I can still get those guys, but <laughs> I don't think I get them as an abundance as they get me just because yeah. they're just on another level. I'm getting older. I mean, they're staying, they're still competitive. I'm not as competitive. Even if I still was competitive, you know, Raymond's on another level. I mean, he's a, mm -hmm. uh, he's a beast and Jack too. I mean, they're very competitive, but it's great to see when people have the same mentality as you and, and and even more. I mean, I hate to say it, but Raymond's on another level. I mean, I oh, I was yeah. very disciplined, but this guy, he's not he's not only disciplined, but his consist consistency and his lack of breaks. You oh, know, okay. like I always would be a type of guy where you know maybe at ten months, eleven months on, but then yeah. you know maybe the holidays come and I take that one month off. That'd be my one month that I just enjoy, and then. <laughs> right back at it some of these guys don't they, they just they stay ready you know and that's that's great wow that's awesome and yeah you're mentioning all these names jack felton remy daniels and i'm sorry if i'm gonna butcher this but jason borley jason borelli yes Borelli, sorry and um michael page as well michael page so how was it like i mean like you said uh iron sharp sharp and tiring you guys all hung around when you guys went to tournament, correct? Yeah, we, that was more of like a walk. Yeah, well, we have, Michael Page would be a walko event, a European oh, okay. event, but yes. Okay. So how was it like knowing that you guys were going to go up against each other, but you guys are all good friends? You guys all hung around. Like, well, I'm, I mean, I'm just assuming that that was fun. I mean, just. Uh, you know, it's fun. Um and at the same time, you know, that's just, that's just the business. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's, <laughs> excuse me. I think to be good at martial arts, not only do you have to have good technique, good discipline, but I also think you have to be emotionless. And I say that in a way where you can't be mad. You can't get mad. 
Because mm. when you get mad, to me, it's like having an alcoholic drink. Even though you think you're under control, um, your judgment changes. Yeah. And you don't see it. Everybody else sees it. That's why they probably right away know, yeah, did you have a drink? <laughs> and I feel the same way about fighting. I feel like sometimes if someone hits you with a good shot and then you feel like you got to get the you got to get them back and even better. <laughs> what it does is it takes you out of your elements and what you do well. And now you're just trying to one up them when all you have to do to one up someone is just to win, stick to what you do well. Yeah. And I think sometimes people can get caught up in the emotions, uh, refs, bad calls, uh, being frustrated, just feeling like, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. So, like I said, you got to be emotionless. And I think when you go out there and you're competitive with each other, you just got to realize, you know, everybody's fighting for one prize. And regardless if you win or lose, it's not what they did. It's what you lacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can't blame nobody yourself but losing. And, you know, we've beaten each other before. I mean, I remember going back to what I said about Raymond. Um, first, I don't know few tournaments, three, four, five, where I had beat him for some big, big <laughs> events. And I remember he was just very frustrated. And I think I even had a conversation with one of them. Yeah. I remember that Charlie Lee, there was a Rolex challenge where they gave out a Rolex. And I think I had won my second Rolex and he hadn't won any yet. And I had told him at the end of the fight, I said, you know, I said, um, someday I think you're going to win not only two Rolexes, but probably even more, man, because I can just tell, I mean, how good you are now and how young you are and how much potential you have if you continue with this. And funny enough, I think he ended up winning like three or four after that. Um, and not to mention, I think he had beaten me for a couple consistent tournaments <laughs> and got me back after. So, you know, like I said, it's just part of sticking with it. We all, I think winners lose. But the yeah. difference is, is that we don't always lose and we're willing to lose and we're willing to do what it takes to get through that rough patch. And I mean, all winners lose. I mean, I don't know unless you get lucky and hit the lottery, but I'm, I'm sure you lost a lot of them before that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, just how it is. I mean, um, so we don't, we, I, you know, regardless of what happens, we win, we lose, you know, that's it. We bury the hatchet right there. It's over. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not friends when we're fighting, but after it's over, it's over. Yeah. Go have a drink. And, I mean, I just remember as I started getting more into martial arts, as I was going through the ranks, just hearing your guys' name come up all the time. Because, as you know, Mr. V was big into sparring. So, I mean, it was always, I don't want to say... It was like my dream to get to your guys' level, but it was always always in the back. So that kept me sparring, kept me sparring, going going into the studio and whatnot. And it was always, always fun sparring you guys. I mean, I had a privilege to spar yourself, Mr. Daniels, Mr. Felton. And out of all you three, I got to say, Mr. Felton was the nicest. <laughs> he, he just tapped me. He's like, I got you with that. I was like, yeah, Mr. Daniels. He hit me and I was like, oh, I felt that one. You hit me. I was like, oh, I felt that one too. So it was always fun and I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, Mr. V was the old school mentality where you got hit, protect yourself. You know, you got to know how to protect yourself. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we have that mentality too. I think when we were younger, um, me, Jack and Ray were a lot more 
competitive and fought hard and I really had that mentality because I felt that's how we had to train. But I think as we got older too, um, we realized we could still train hard without trying to land solid shots. And that's just because we respect the fact that maybe like Jack had a competition recently, uh, actually wearing the shirt right now, virtual fight tour. He fought him. Pro point, and a couple of times I went to go train with him just to get him ready. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go hard on him, and I'm gonna try to fight him hard, but I'm not gonna try to hit him hard. Yeah. And the reason being is because I'm well aware that that's the last thing he needs is any type of risk, you know, where, where he gets an injury and something that he's got a mask or he's got to deal with. So we try really hard, you know. And again, we put the ego to the side. If I know I could have scored on him, but I know that something bad's gonna happen. I won't score because I don't want to have an, a forearm or an elbow catch him because I just felt like that's where it looked like it was going to go. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things you learn as you get older. And when you're younger, <laughs> you know, you're a little bit more hard-headed and you bounce back. You're a little bit more rubbery as you get older. You're a little bit more fragile and you learn. <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, I mean, in our sport, it's a matter of like milliseconds and inches. So accidents happen, but... We're good enough that I think uh, we've been fortunate enough to not have nothing severe yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, happen, or at least not often. You know, I mean, every once in a while, someone will get a wind knocked out of them or, um, you know, I, I've had stitches a couple of times, but I mean, nothing where, you know, okay, I got stitched up. All right. I got to take it easy. Don't get punched there again. And that's it. We're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any, any tournament that, that you love to compete uh, every year or any tournament that you look to just come back and just watch watch it grow or you know one of the biggest events right now um and it's been kind of off for the last couple of years of the irish open oh, okay it's a really big event uh, a lot of a lot of fighters it's a fighters event like a lot of tournaments here in the states um it's fighting forms and weapons but i feel as of late the fighting has taken a back seat to the forms and the weapons. That's kind of like the the bigger thing, the entertainment value. People like it. Uh, a lot of the stunt guys are form guys. Not that they're not fighters or some of them are not past fighters, but most of them are forms and weapons guys. Um, mm-hmm. And when you go to Europe or especially the Irish Open, they have a whole arena where it's all kickboxing, uh, point sparring, continuous fighting and then they have like one little area where they have just the forms and weapons <laughs> so it's kind of backwards and i kind of like i mean i mean i love forms i love weapons but i mean i'm a fighter so you know i think that's one of the best tournaments uh they easily have five thousand competitors and i'd say probably like 40 900 of them are probably like fighters <laughs> so i like to watch them because Open weight um, will have up to, I think, last year. I think last year they had about four or 500 competitors. They have to have like eight rings. And they have like, you know, I think maybe 16 last time. They'll break them up into eight divisions or 16 divisions because they have so many people and it'll just take all day. And and then those winners kind of fight down and then they finally get down, I want to say to four. And then once they get the final four, they get this big old stage and people all around and they they fight it off. So 
And Raymond's won, I think, the most. He's won, I guess, an 11, maybe 12. I won first. I brought Raymond, and then ever since, he's he's been a hog. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down. And Jack's actually been real close to winning a couple, and they've um, they've they've kind of, I feel... Giving him the short end of the stick. He's, 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 you know, it's the thing about going to other places. Uh, you gotta be real clean and you gotta be real consistent. You gotta keep it up because, um, you know, they just call points differently and you you gotta get used to that. And, um, I just feel like Jack's easily could have won that event several times. And I just feel like some of the referees' calls weren't just the best. And, uh, anyways. That's how it works out sometimes, man. Yeah. And, uh, again, without throwing anyone under the bus or anything, just, and uh, like I said, I never competed on your guys' level, but I did feel that when I was competing Arch Madness, you know, Woodland Hills and compete, I noticed I saw some of the referees and they started to know me just a little bit. And the other person in front of me who I was going to spar, they knew them more and they knew the instructor. So they kind of called the point more towards him. Do you, you ever feel that sometimes for yourself? Yeah, you know. yeah, I think that's every sport. I mean, you know, more so maybe in a sport that someone's not getting paid <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and volunteering. Um, but, I mean, I've seen professional basketball, professional football, yeah. where the ref blew the call, quote, unquote. And, I mean, this guy's getting paid six figures. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking about a karate tournament where you got all these black belts that are volunteering their time. Some of them yeah. compete. Some of them referee, and then after done refereeing, compete. Um, does it happen yet? Does mm-hmm. it happen purposely? Yeah. Does it happen sometimes unknowingly? Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes, you know, it's kind of like when you watch a bunch of fighters that you know nothing of, but you connect with one, maybe because they were, uh, I don't know, they grew up in the East Coast. Uh, maybe they uh, are Latino. Maybe they worked as a fireman and you were a fireman, you know, it's funny how sometimes like you can connect with somebody. Yeah. And it's funny how, when you have a connection with somebody, because you have involvement with this person and you deal with this person, not that they're trying to cheat you, but they're probably more apt to focusing on them more. So they tend to see what they're doing more than what you're doing. Yeah. And then also they got to deal with that conversation later where if there's any close points, I'm going to say they're probably going to call a lot of the close points the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and going, and again, that's part of, like I said, going back to, hey, listen, this happens to everybody. It doesn't yeah. just happen to you. It happened to me. And it works both ways. I've had it where I feel like sometimes I'm getting the calls and sometimes I'm not. You got to be at a point where you're so good and so clean that you got to make it so obvious sometimes. And that's just, you know, that's part of, it's part of the discipline. Oh yeah, no. When you say make it clear, it's like because you guys were like, honestly, I mean, I know it's a little cliche to say, but lightning fast. Like, who scored that point? We were like, who scored that point? <laughs> what do you guys see? It's it was crazy. It's crazy, and you guys got into a zone where. Oh, you mean when we fight each other? Yeah, when you guys fought each other, it's like. Yeah, and it's really hard. It really is. It's not yeah. easy. I mean, no. if you were a referee that had instant replay, then you know it's a lot easier. Yeah. But I mean. When things are happening real fast, your emotions are going just like a fighter. You can't let your emotion get involved, your relationship with people. 
And again, things happen so fast. Sometimes it's, you question yourself, what did you just see? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I've been a ref and I, and I, and it's not an easy job, but I think the, I think the best refs are fighters because you've been there and yeah. you know, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, and you're not going to try to do that to others. I usually, I mean, yeah. a good fighter, you know, <laughs> I mean, not just cause you showed up to the dojo and sparred every once in a while. I yeah. consider you a fighter, but I'm saying someone that's competitive, you know, that has some knowledge. Yeah. No, no, no problem. All right. Now I really wanted to ask you this one, uh, your black belt that you have that one. And it, the, it, the white belt, the white belt. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it, it has the only reason why I say that because I want my black belt to get like that, like the wear and tear. So, yeah, you know, what's funny is that that belt, um, when you, when you saw me wearing it, I no longer really competed, uh, like with my sponsorship, I yeah. competed just to compete just for fun. But back then when I used that belt, that belt was only my competition belt. Oh, okay. So you know how Campo has the, um, wipe the brow knowledge thing, right? So yeah. usually every turn, every tournament. And I mean, I used to compete sometimes twice in a weekend because back East it would be tournaments, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. I mean, I could be in all those places from where I lived in like two hours. So, so, you know, you get different organizations, different events, different days. And uh, sometimes I think I even pulled one where like me and my instructor would go somewhere where we knew this turn, because you go year after year. Sometimes you start to get kind of like good at what, happens at tournament so we'd go to a tournament maybe like in one part of mass where we knew the tournament would always be done by like a certain time and then we'd call people at this next tournament that was only like maybe 20 minutes away 25 minutes away and we would go and if we made it on time we would register right there and compete sometimes <laughs> in two events and and do stuff like that so yeah we were crazy back then but anyways uh, you know i would only use that uh, belt for competitions and you know every time after competition i wipe my brow with it and i think after a while from all the sweat <laughs> i think i got that belt when i was about 18 before i left um, I, I i got my black belt when i was 12 but i okay. specifically got that charado belt when i was 18 and um probably shoot had i still have it but i mean i was i think probably turned white probably dozen years <laughs> 15 years maybe something like that so how many styles have you practiced in so? uh, predominantly campo but because of my competition days and all the people i deal with i used to do a lot of seminars and i'd work with a lot of people and different stuff yeah. um blaze lung he was really good at the blade um Ooh. so we've done some blade stuff i used to go with colin down to san diego um, we learned some Arnis, some Filipino scream of stick stuff with different guys. We would actually put headgear, do sparring with it. Um, they would do one stick, two sticks, one knife, one knife, one stick, you know, all different types of stuff. Um, I used to do jujitsu back in the day at Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Roberto Maye. Uh, Kenny Florian was a dojo rat. They used to <laughs> be there every day wanting to grapple anybody and everybody that came in through the door. Um, 
So, you know, uh, Taekwondo, a lot of the guys from my team, uh, Boston Taekwondo, uh, Joe Pina, he's an Olympic trainer for Cape Verde and has a lot of um, people that are in the Olympics for Taekwondo. Now, I never got any black belts in any of these styles, but when I would go train, sometimes we would just, I would just jump in these guys' classes and learn, you know, different types of exercises, drills, and techniques and things they would learn. So, um, I would say uh, a jack of all trades and maybe an expert at one, mostly, <laughs> mostly Kempo. Kempo is pretty much the predominant yeah. um, system I've done since East Coast yeah. to here. So. Oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Well, Mr. Pombero, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. This was way more than what I hoped for. Thank you, know, you so much. Hey, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, you know, you got a hold of me. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, this is for anybody. I mean, I'm very down to earth, approachable. Yes. I know I'm very scary looking. Sometimes people see my <laughs> focus in my eyes. Uh, I'm always, I'm always just, uh, my mind just doesn't stop. So I'm always <laughs> thinking. So sometimes I'm, I just look very focused when I look at people. But I'm very approachable and very nice, uh, yeah. and I love people, and, um, you know, I love sharing my knowledge. I love martial arts, and if it wasn't for, again, I think, you know, the martial arts and me getting as good as I, I got, but again, also having that very humble and positive attitude, and that's kind of the attitude I've enjoyed when I've approached people. Like, I've met some people that are a little bit egotistical and kind of like felt like, you know, that they're better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes I think I've rubbed people off the wrong way that way because of, again, not what I say, but kind of my personality and the way my demeanor and all that type of thing. But, uh, I'm nothing like that. So, no. you know, like I said, you know, thanks for reaching out for me. Yeah. I'm happy we could do it as quick as we did. And as yeah. you know, and, uh, thanks for following up. Cause that's the one thing I do do is I, <laughs> I do, um, I do commit to a lot of things. Yeah. So trying to, uh, <laughs> fit, fit things into my schedule is usually the hardest thing, but we'll fit you in. So no. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And uh, if anyone else wants to hear more from you, where could they find you? I know you said you yourself. You um, Yeah, we do a podcast on Point Fighter Live. Um, but you can always look me up on um, – if you want to look up Point Fighter Live, you can go and follow that, and then you can find our show. We're usually on Thursdays, typically, I want to say 5, 6 p.m. Um, here on the West Coast. Uh, my producers on the west, uh, sorry, on the east coast. So uh, I got to make sure I'm saying the right time. And um, you know, you can look me up on Facebook too. Uh, yeah. I go by my name, um, Mike Pombero. So P O M B E I R O. I also got a fan page, um, and there's a whole bunch of like drills and techniques that I share. So you know, anybody that's interested in picking stuff up, feel free. Yeah, hit me up. Oh, thank you so much, sir. And again, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. Everyone, have a good day. Thank you so much.